Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, welcome to the Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Chad Mitten, and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Rich Howe. Uh, we are here for 2021. It's a brand new year. It's a brand new Preds team that we are really excited about. Uh, Rich, how you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Enjoying uh, the time off from work for New Year's. How about you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. It's a new year, and uh, hockey's almost here. I've been starved for some NHL hockey for a while now. And, uh, you know, the Preds, they only played four games <laughs> in the qualifier. Yeah. We waited all summer. We're like, Preds hockey's back. And then they play for four games and get uh, get knocked out by the Coyotes. It was pretty rough. And so now we got a fresh slate, just like we have a fresh new 2021. So, um, Yeah. So, episode seven of the Catfish and Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, is coming to you uh, tonight. And we're going to get into this starting lineup because, let me tell you, the Preds' starting roster is so uncertain. I can't remember a time um, in their history. I'm sure it's happened before, but I can't remember a time in recent memory where this uh, starting starting roster is so unpredictable. So me and Rich are going to talk about how we think the starting roster is going to end up going on opening night against the Columbus Blue Jackets on January 14th. There's a lot to sort out there. So me me and Rich are going to talk about that. And then we're also, you know, with it being uh with it being the new year of 2021, we're going to talk about some new year's resolutions for the Preds. Uh, every, you know, the obvious, obvious choice is obviously the uh, winning a Stanley Cup, and every team wants to win a Stanley Cup. But we're going to get into some more uh, realistic resolutions for the Preds, things we want to see happen for the team in 2021. And that doesn't even have to be this current season that's about to come up, but it can go into the next season as well. But we're going uh, to talk about that as well. We're gonna have a fun a fun episode tonight, so let's let's get it rolling with the opening face off. We start every episode with the opening face off, and we're gonna get into this uh, starting lineup and how we think it's gonna be assembled. And so, Rich, Rich, I hope you're ready for this. I'm, sure I'm ready. It. All right, all right. Absolutely. So let's, let's get into it. We're gonna start with the Fords. And we're going to start with those uh, top four lines. Of course, you got these taxi squads that are coming into play with the COVID-19 pandemic. The NHL is affording teams this th- basically an extra practice squad of player that teams can turn to. Uh, I invite all of our listeners to listen to our previous episode because we talked to Puckpedia about all of the uh, things that go into – these extra squads and how it affects the salary cap. And uh, it's, 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 it, it, it can get kind of complicated. So uh, 
We're not going to get really deep into that tonight because that can take up a whole episode in itself. Yeah. But I will say that uh, teams have four to six players on their taxi squads that they can use. And so that's going to play into uh, the, our starting lineups that me and Rich are going to be talking about tonight. But I'm going to start it off with uh, – who I think should be on the top line just to start it off. And there's a lot of people who are going to disagree with me on this. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going with, with history and chemistry with this pick. And I'm going to go with the nickname of the Jofa line for people who aren't diehard Preds fans that might be listening to our podcast tonight. Uh, we love you as well. We, we appreciate you listening to our, uh, listen to our show. Even if, even if you're not a Preds fan, we appreciate you listening to our show. The Jofa line is basically the line of Ryan Johansson at center, Victor Arvison, and Philip Forsberg on the wings, and they've been on the they've been the core of this top line for a few seasons now, running all the way back to the Stanley Cup run in 2017. So that's where the Jofa line came into effect, and they have great chemistry together. They know each other very well, and so so for me. The reason why I stick them in at the top line, it's not that simple for me as far as, oh, well, let's just stick with what worked before. For me, it's like, okay, this roster's new, and we have to stick with what we know has worked in the past. And uh, they, they showed success, even in the qualifiers. They showed some chemistry. They showed some success, played well together. And so I think that's what you got to go with out of the out of the onset. Uh, Rich, wh- what are you thinking about the top line, man? Are you are you thinking Joe line? Or are you thinking like let's put someone new in there to shake things up? I'm thinking <clears throat> the exact same thing you are. Um, definitely the Joe line. You know, all three of those guys struggled last year, but like you said, they definitely picked up the pace during the Stanley Cup qualifier. So I looked it up today. So in those four games, the Predators scored 11 goals against the Coyotes. That's, that's, that's what they got. The Joe line actually scored seven of those goals. Wow. So, yeah. Philip Forsberg, uh, he had three goals and two assists. Uh, Ryan Johansson had a goal and four assists. And then Victor Arvidsson had three goals. So that's the majority of your goals scored yeah. during, during that. And that was good to see. Cause we all know that all three of those guys, like I said, struggled last year. And we really needed to see that kind of production from those guys. And I think until they prove otherwise, I think that has to be your starting lineup. I've seen some people on Twitter say they wanted to move uh, Forsberg like down to the second line with Duchesne. But I just, I just, I think you just have to go with what's worked during the, during the qualifiers and then just, um, just ride those guys out until, until uh, something else happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. The thing about uh, Duchesne, and we'll get in, we'll get into that when we get to the second line. But the thing with uh, Duchesne is he's such a skilled puck handler, and he is such a playmaker. He's not necessarily a goal scorer, but he is a playmaker. He creates space on the ice. He has great puck handling and puck vision, and all that good stuff that you want in a centerman. And so everyone wants to match him with Forsberg, and they had some some uh, success at the early part of this of the last season, which feels like a century ago. <laughs> but you know, October of 2019, uh, they had some early success when Duchesne first came in. Duchesne was piling up the points, and uh, 
And the Joe line felt like a distant memory at the time because the Preds were beating teams like the Capitals. They were fighting. They were beating good teams. And everyone was like, oh, my God, like the Preds, they're starting off good. And so it's it's understandable to see people throwing that out there. Like, let's keep the Joe line broken up and let's put Duchesne back with Forsberg. But – me and you, me and Rich. Uh, so me and you, we agree that we we're going to keep the Jofa line intact going into the season. Now that can all change. You know, we're, we're not saying that this is set in stone. Don't change it ten games in or anything like that. A lot can change, but we're saying like opening night roster, January fourteenth against the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is the roster we're uh, we're, we're assembling. Me and Rich are assembling in this episode. And so we're both in agreement on sticking with the Jofa line, which was, has chemistry that you can't deny. Yeah. And those guys love playing with each other. Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson love playing with each other. Let me uh, mention Arvidsson or not Arvidsson, uh, Johansson real quick. Yeah. So Johansson has been the subject of some scrutiny for his down season this past year, a horrible down season for him. Mm-hmm. By standards. If we were lucky enough to have him on our uh, show tonight, he would say the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, he is a true professional. He's a great player. We're lucky to have him. And, but he had a down season last year. Like, I mean, he went from, you know, 50 assist to 22 assist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a crazy drop. And I know there were less games played, but even when you factor that in, I mean, he had it when it comes assist or his thing, he's not a big goal scorer. He's not mm-hmm. going to go out there and score 30 plus goals. But he's a, he's, he's a distributor. He finds guys who are open. He finds high danger chances and maximizes his line mates chances to score goals. And he's a really good puck handler. But for whatever reason, it, it didn't work out for him last year. For me, I think it's a little bit of a, um, a fluke. I think he's going to come back here. I really do. And so that's another reason why I'm firm on the Jofa line being our top line in opening night. is because I have a lot of confidence in Ryan Johansson. Yes. So we're- I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, like you said – He's the first to admit that he struggled. I mean, he's been interviewed before, and he said the exact same thing. Most of these guys who struggled said the exact same thing, and you can just tell that, you know, they're ready to put that behind them and just move on. Yep. So I keep the Jofa line together for now. Uh, you go t- you go 10 or 15 games through the season. It's a 56-game season. If you go through 10 or 10 games or so and the offense is struggling really bad and there's no chemistry – then obviously you're going to make changes, but that I just don't see how you break that up going into it with the new team. Yeah. New team. So let's go to our second line, which is way more complicated. It is. It's yeah, been uh, right out. Uh, Rich. You start with your second line. Give me your yeah. second. Line. Yeah. So it it I kind of had it worked out up until the other day when they signed Mikel Granlin again. Um, I was going to put uh, Matt Duchesne. And then uh, 
Coonan and then Ellie Tolvanen on that second line. But Granlin wrecked everything for you. But Granlin, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. So now, yeah, I'm gonna put <laughs> I'm gonna put Matt Duchesne, uh, Granlin, and Tolvanen on that second line. Matt Duchesne's another one of those guys. I think he feels horrible about what happened last year. He wants to, you know, put those struggles behind him. And then, you know, during the qualifiers, he really kind of came on as well. And, you know, he, he, uh, he scored a goal. I, um, I think it was one or two. Was it one? Do you remember? I think it was just one. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. But, but he, you could tell that he elevated his play and, and that's, that's exactly what we need to see out of him. And then Granlin, you know, since they re-signed him before they did that, you know, we weren't even worrying about that. But now he's another player that we got to look at <clears throat> who struggled some last year. But when John Hines, you know, took over as head coach, he actually surged a little bit and he was playing really well. And then, you know, the, the, the pandemic hit. And then when he came back to the qualifiers, I think he only had like one assist during, the, during all four of those games. I think he was just, you know, ready to test free agency or whatever. But now that he's back, you know, we have to we have to lump him in with those guys who struggled, who we want to see, um, you know, pick up the pace this year. Yep. So you've got run through your line one more time, second line. So uh, Matt Duchesne, center, Granlin, and Tolvanen. And, and Tolvanen, that's another one, like – we don't know how he's going to perform. Everybody's putting him up on the second line. And yeah, you know, he, you know, he hasn't played that much in the NHL at all. So, so full disclosure, me and Rich have not talked about our lines. No. For this episode tonight. I promise you we haven't. I and, swear. It'll, and it'll probably yeah. get, when we get to the third and fourth line, I think yeah. that's where we'll see some. <laughs> oh yeah. The bottom yeah. six always shakes everything up for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially with this team. Yes. But we actually agree on the second line, but I'm going to put a little asterisk next to it because Philip Tomasino, and I'm sure you would have brought him up too if you were thinking asterisk. But here's my thing. So I've been very vocal about not rushing Philip Tomasino into the starting lineup too soon. I'll be the first to admit that. I've been very vocal about that. But my confidence in Tomasino – with the World Juniors going on right now. But it's not just about the World Juniors. I knew he was a great dynamic player before the World Juniors. This is just reinforcing it. But here's my thing. This guy has done everything. Tomasino has done everything he can do to show that he's ready for the NHL. There's nothing else he could do. So when you take a team like the Preds, who aren't a Stanley Cup contender right now, they, you know, the players themselves might think they are, but on the outside looking in, no one pencils them in as a Stanley Cup contender. Even the most biased of fans Mm-mm. aren't going to pencil them as a Stanley Cup contender right now. Why would you not see what you got with Tomasino on opening night? Especially with the OHL, we don't know when that season's going to start. He can't play in the AHL. There's been a lot of questions we've had over Twitter about why doesn't he play for the Milwaukee Admirals? Well, you know, you got the – you know, the rules with NHL are a lot different than other leagues. He can't play in the AHL because he's not 20 years of age. Uh, and so he he's kind of bound to the OHL or go right to, right to the NHL. Exactly. And so 
he's kind of in that weird spot right now, but his talent is so insane. The Preds haven't had a prospect as young as him who are, who is on this kind of a national stage in a while. Like, if someone wants to tell us on Twitter or if Rich has someone who he could say, like, hey, th- this is the last player. Like, maybe Alexander Radulov. Like, honestly, I can't remember the last player. Um, maybe Tolan and everybody was high on him. Yeah, but I'm talking about a player who's proven it. <laughs> oh, right, right. After they were drafted. Yes. After they were drafted by the Preds. Yeah. Tomasino is definitely yeah. there. Yeah. He's so, a- it, you know, like it's a good problem to have, but it's like, what do you do with him? And yeah. So- it's, it's weird because, you know, he he's like beating up everybody in the OHL. He had like 100 points last season between two teams. I don't um, yeah. And I don't, care, I don't care what league you're playing in. Yeah. That's insane numbers. That's like insane numbers. I couldn't do that on a video game. No, absolutely not. He's doing it in real life hockey. Yeah, so. and and now, like you said, he's doing it in the World Juniors as well. So. Yep. Yeah, he's playing for Team Canada right now, who's a, a stacked roster. Which honestly, we shouldn't even look. I mean, his numbers are great, but let's look into the fact that he made the team. Right. That that Canada roster is like the dream team of basketball. Yeah, in the early '90s, like this, this Canada team is special, and there's some other good teams. You got Finland, mm-hmm. you got Team USA. Obviously, it has a good squad. We're gonna see who can challenge Russia. You're gonna see what teams can challenge Canada, but Canada and Tomasino is part of that Canadian team that is just stacked right now. So it's a testament to how good he is that he even made the roster, and he's actually producing for that team. So. Let me get back into the second line. Let me go back because we kind of, I kind of took us off course a little bit there with Thomas, my Tomasino rant, which happens a lot with me. I find myself ranting about Tomasino a lot <laughs> lately. Well, but, I mean, he's producing, so I mean, he's exactly he's all over the place. I mean, like when you get on Twitter, that's first, he's usually the first person that everybody's talking about in the juniors. But where we sit right now with training camp just starting for the Preds. I've still got Tomasino right on that fringe, and I don't have him in my starting roster just yet. I still I agree with you, Rich. I got Tolvin in, Duchesne on the center line, and then I've got uh, Mikhail Granlin. And so here's another thing about Granlin. Like, I go back and forth about Granlin. Sometimes I'm like, this guy played great in Minnesota, had two back-to-back seasons in Minnesota where he almost scored 70 points. 70-point seasons for the Preds are so rare. Oh, no, that would be huge. And so no one's saying he needs to do that again here necessarily, but come close, man. Yeah. Pretty now, good. you know, he had a really strong end of the last year. He uh, a, a switch seemed to be flipped under uh, John Hines when he took over. So that's kind of what we're clinging on, and no one took him. No one took him when he was available all offseason. And the Preds made a really smart move, honestly, a very team-friendly one-year deal, $3.75 million. And so now you, you're asked – you know, immediately when I saw that the Preds took him, I'm like, where are we going to put him in the lineup? And at first I was like, okay, let's, let's put him in the bottom six. Let's put him on the third line. But I'm like, his offensive skill set and his – he can actually play some defense too. He's not a bad defensive yeah. player by any means. 
uh, defensive forward. And so you got to put him on that second line. If you're going to go out there and take a flyer on him and take him, you got to put him on that second line and see what you got. Even though it's 3.75 for one year, that's not a big risk. You still got to like see what you got and put him on the second line. So I kind of had to talk myself out of that at first. At first I didn't have him on the second line, but um, so I'm right there with you, Rich. Uh, second line, we both have uh, Granlin. Duchesne is obviously the second line centerman, and then we're gonna uh, we're we're gonna put uh, Ellie Tolvin in. Uh, we're gonna think that the team's gonna take a chance on him with Tomasino being that asterisk player. If he goes out in training camp and just really just does what he's done already for their, his entire hockey career, he might force the coach's hands. But we're going to put Tomasino on the side for now and still put Tolvin in it. Tolvin in, in there because he was drafted in 2017 and the, and the franchise really badly wants to see what they got out of Tolvin. It's a, it, yeah, I mean, I think this year, like this is going to be his best chance. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I guess if he doesn't make it, he'll be on the taxi squad or whatever. And then I don't know. I guess he'll have another shot next year. But yeah, I think this is his best chance, like you said. I mean, there's always Milwaukee for him again. But I'm I, I'm kind of with you. Like I feel like he has to prove himself on the NHL level. He's been rounding out his game in the KHL, and so we all know what he has: uh, sniping ability, mm-hmm. power play ability, power play specialist. So I think the Preds got to see what they got out of him, you know. But that's kind of where they're at. So second line, we're we're putting Tolvin in on there. Me and Richard yep. both doing that. Let's go to the third line, which is really complicated. <clears throat> Six is complicated. I'm going to give you my third line okay. right off the bat. So I'm going to go ahead and stick the newcomer because center is obviously is such an important position. It it dictates the line. I'm going to go ahead and put. Uh, Nick Cousins, the newcomer, on the centerman position on the third line. Now, I've seen Cousins on so many people's fourth lines, so I know I'm kind of out on a branch here. There's going to be a lot of people who are probably going to tell me, you're wrong. Don't put Cousins on the third line. I'm a big believer in Cousins. I've watched a lot of uh, film on him, a lot of highlights on him. I like his defensive tenacity. No one's asking him to go out there and score um, a ton of goals. I mean, you're a third line center, you know, that should be your number one priority. Hopefully your top two lines can, can handle the priority of the scoring. But uh, I did write down some numbers on cousins for last year. So he's never had more than 27 points in a season. Uh, and that was in 2018-19 when he had 27 points. He's got a low career shooting percentage, lower than average. He's like below 10. And he's got a low time of ice average. In his so lower than 13 minutes for his career on time on ice. So he's not ever been used a ton. But he is a grit and grind type of player. He's a guy that, that can come in there and put up, put up valuable shifts. And so – the the bigger hockey fans who really study the game and watch the game know that every not every player is out there to just purely put up offensive numbers. There's players out there who have to do the dirty work. I just like what I see out of Cousins. I really do. Like I like what he can supply for that that third line. So 
I put him on the third line as a center. He's obviously interchangeable. I mean, you could put him on the fourth mm-hmm. line. It's not going to break his backs or like be anything crazy. But that's where I'm going to. That's where I'm. That's where I'm putting uh, Cousins now. Rocco Grimaldi, fan favorite. Everyone loves Grimaldi. There's, I'm sure there's a segment of fans out there who would put Grimaldi on the second line because they love him so much. And his career has just been tracking upward ever since he came to Nashville. So a lot of people are naturally like, well, let's just put him on the second line. I think Grimaldi fits really well on the third line just because you need someone on that third line who can supply that offense. And Grimaldi's that guy. So moving him off that line I think would be a bad idea initially. And so Rocco Grimaldi's on my third line. And then another newcomer, um, Eric Holla, is on is the other winger for me on the third line. And Hall is a guy where he can play he can play center too. He's a he's a very versatile player, but I would put him on a winger. Uh, we we've we talked in the previous episode about how he's a net crasher. He creates havoc in front of the net. Preds need that badly. So Holla comes in. He's a late offseason pickup by the Preds. Some people thought that the Preds were done making offseason moves, especially after Granlin. And then they go out and get Holla, who has a history with uh, Granlin. They're buddies. And so you got to wonder what that had to do with it. Either way, Holla comes in, and you got to love what he brings in front of the net. He doesn't bring a lot of defense either. But I like him on that third line right now for me. So, Rich, give me your third line. So, so I swear to everybody, we did not talk about this before, but I have. Why did you take your test? I have, I have Nick Cousins at center. It's okay. Rocco, Rocco Grimaldi and Eric Holla, the exact same list you have. Rich, you can just tell me how smart I am, man. I know that's right. I mean, it's it's a, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. So I know that you know last season we were, you know when we would write articles and stuff, we were really high on Rocco Grimaldi, Nick Benino, and Craig Smith. That was yep. like our favorite line. Oh, absolutely. They're, they were the workhorse line. Um, I saw a stat somewhere and I haven't really been able to like back it up, but like there was one point when apparently they were like the best line in the NHL for a, like a few weeks. I don't remember. Yeah, they were definitely the most consistent. Yeah, d- definitely very consistent. And now, you know, they got rid of, Benino and Smith and you know those those kind of hurt and on a side note I actually saw a picture of Craig Smith um, practicing with the Bruins today so oh, that hurts my heart so bad yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was a little tough to see it's kind of weird you know you're used to seeing him in a Predators uniform but um, you know so but those guys are gone so I think this this line would be you know he's not he's not at center but I think it needs to be Grimaldi's line and I think it's his time uh, you know, they gave him that contract extension. He's making more money. Uh, they they see stuff in him. He's he's a workhorse player. He's fast. He's a he's a great skater. And you know, now they need to put some guys with him who are the same. And it, from what I've seen, Halla is a, you know the same way. He's a workhorse. He's good around the net. Um, you know, like you said about Nick Cousins, he's he's defensive minded. He's a tough tough guy to play against. And I think that that. Um, Hopefully that line can can pick up where it left off last year. I don't know. What do you think? Well, that's going to be a hardworking line for sure. Asking this line to produce what the third line produced last year is a tall order. I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, that was – that line of Smith, 
and Grimaldi and Benino. I mean, that was like that was the line that really kept the Preds afloat. <laughs> You're right. You know? And so now going looking ahead to what we're about to get into this season, you either gotta hope that your top six plays a lot better and performs to expectations, or this third line is gonna have to do this all over again. I'm not that confident that this third line that me, that me and you just assembled is quite as high up as the line we just lost on the third. Agreed. You're going to have to get that from somewhere else. That's not a knock on Eric Holla. No. Yeah, I mean, it's not a knock on him. It's not a knock on Nick Cousins. Quite frankly, as Preds fans, we don't know a lot about them other than what we can go off of. Right. So it could work out great. But we're going off of what what we had, and I can tell you that Nick Benino and Craig Smith were two players who took a hundred hundred percent to this team every day, and they didn't always do it by scoring goals, but they did they did it in other ways. And if you watch the games, you knew that. And so it's going to be really hard to replace the third line of last year with the line that we just uh, rolled out. But I think it's the best that we'll, to what we got, right. And like I said, that's not a knock on Hollow. Like it's it's not like they're in a bad spot necessarily, but that third line was so successful last year that it's hard to think that they're going to be able to replicate that. We'll see if the third line replicates what the third line did last year, and you get your top six to bounce back like we think they should be capable of. Then watch out; the Preds are actually going to be a, yeah. a top two team in the division, maybe. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, just don't, you know, these guys have never played with each other, so exactly, you just don't know. We just, I mean, we won't really know until opening night. <laughs> you can say it's all you want. Oh, if this line plays well, if this line bounces back, bounces right. back, we don't know that yet. We know what the third line last season did, right? And they were incredible. And were. Two, two of those three players are gone, but we still have Rocco Grimaldi, and that's why I keep him on that third line because I know what he can do there. We just need these two newcomers to play well with them. I have good confidence in it. Uh, let's go to the fourth line, Rich. Start us off on what you got with your fourth line, which is very important. All right, so this was really, really tough to do. Um, and I left actually left somebody off here that I don't know if I should have put him on or not. This is probably the hardest one out of all of them. So I have Colton Sissons, Callie Yarncrock, and Luke Cunning okay. on the fourth line. So – I know that the, you know, Yarncroc and Sissons have played together for a long time. And, and Yarncroc, actually, he's been really consistent. He actually didn't have a bad year last year. He was actually pretty much on par with his career. And I kind of want to keep him and Sissons together because they've got history. They've played together. And then Luke Cunning, you know, I think he's got a lot of upside. And there was a time when we were talking about putting him higher up. But, you know, then they got Granlin and, you know, the other, you know, Hala, so that kind of bumped him down a little bit. And I actually left – this was a little tough, but I left Yakov Trenin off off the list because I know, like – It's a log jam right now, man. It is, and that's that's what makes it really tough because you just don't know – like, we didn't even think he was going to be on the team this year. Like, last – at the end of – like, after the qualifiers, you know, there was talk about him going to play in Russia. So – we yeah. didn't even know he was coming back, and they wound up signing him. So, so like you said, there's a log jam now. So, 
I, I don't know. You just, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a toss up. So I'm not sure. Well, who, who do you have on there? So, so we do disagree on one player. Mm-hmm. Out of our entire Fords, top four lines on the Ford group, we only disagree on one player. Okay. Uh, and that is Cal Yarncroft. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe he can show something in training camp, but he's been here how long now? And yeah. he's been taking that next step. And again, we love all of our Preds players. This isn't a knock on them or to say that that they're a bust or they're horrible. We're just calling it like we see it, and there's a lot of roster competition with this team. For me, yeah. Yarncroft's Yon been here for a while. And he's never taken that next step. He he's a good role player. He can be up and down the lineup. He even played on the first line a little bit last year. Um, he he's a valuable player who can come in when he's needed. But opening night with this new change that the Preds are going through, he's an extra for me. Okay. And so uh, you brought up Yakov Trenin. He's the player I would put in there. It was I tough. Think, I think you need a good balance of players who can. Do your highlight reel stuff, who can score, all that good stuff. You get that in your top six right now. Your top six covers all of those bases. And then some. I mean, Forsberg is the type of player we talk about all the time, not to go back to the first line, but Forsberg is the type of player where we always talk about lacrosse shots and all right. these. That dude is a physical guy who can get out there and not take any business from anybody. Exactly. So your bottom six, you need them to be – just hustlers, grinders, knock you in the mouth. I wrote a recent article about New Year's resolutions, which we're going to get into, and I'm going to touch on briefly on something I feel like about this team. And I think Rich agrees with me because he's shared it with me before. This team has to get back to being nasty, being hated, uh, being dreaded to play against. And that doesn't necessarily mean you got to score five or six goals a game. And be on Sports Center top ten, which Sports Center doesn't hardly ever show hockey plays. No. But my point is, this team's got to get back to being gritty. It doesn't mean your the style of your play is going to drop. It just means that you got to be tougher. And so, it's not that Cal Yarncroft's not tough to me. All hockey players are tough. Yeah. But I'm going to put Trenton in there because I like what Trenton does. He brings a different style of play on that fourth line. And he can actually score too. He's got some offensive abilities to him. And so that's I would put him over Yarncroft. But Yarncroft's that type of player where he's still going to be in the he's still going to get into the games. He's still going to play some games this season. He's not completely just right. throwing off the reservation. He's never going to play again for the Preds. I'm just saying opening night, put Trennan in over Yarncroft. Uh Sissons is a type of player where he's almost like Yarncroft in a way, but Sissons also does a lot of different other things. He's a great defensive forward. Sissons does so much defensively that people overlook if you don't watch the games closely. And so you can't take Sissons out of the lineup as that fourth line center. Uh, And then, of course, like, you know, that's kind of how we have the lineup drawn out. And then you got, uh, of course, Coonan, who came over here in the trade for Nick Benino on draft day. Uh, Still not crazy about that trade, but I do like what uh, Cooney can bring. Uh, he's the type of player where I see him entering the peak of his career. So he's um, I put him in the same category as 
uh, Cousins, and as ha as Halla. We got to mm -hmm. see what they do when they get here. The, you look back on their careers, they haven't done any – they don't have a track record that thinks, oh, they're going to come over here and just light it up. But that's why you got them for such team-friendly deals is because they, you know – so maybe – the Preds find lightning in a bottle with one or two or three of these players. And I think out of all three of the players, I think Coonan could be the player that could be lightning in a bottle just based on his – he's 23 years of age, and mm -hmm. he, he could be entering the peak of his career. And a lot of uh, Minnesota Wild fans on their message boards were not crazy about losing him, I can just tell you that. And so – that's our Ford group right now. We only, we only, uh, me and Rich only disagreed on one player, and that was Yarn Croc and Yakov Trenin. Yes. But, the, you know, so we'll see how it goes out. We'll see how it shakes out. We're going to know very soon, uh, how that opening night roster is going to look. You know, the first game is January 14th. The defensive pairings aren't quite as dramatic. No. Uh, <laughs> pretty me easy. And Rich both agree. That Roman Yossi, the North Trophy winner, will be on the top pairing with Ryan Ellis, arguably one of the best one-two punches in the league. I mean, Rich, do you think? I mean, one of the best one-two punches, right? Oh, I agree. I mean, the, I mean, I think Ryan Ellis, like, had he not been hurt last year, actually one year ago today, um, he might have been in the run for the Norris. I mean, you just there, there's just not many defensive pairings that are better than those two. It just, there's just, there's just none. So that winter classic started off a, what was a crappy 2020 for a lot of people. It sure did. Sure did. I think it was the ultimate predator, which is uh, on Twitter. Uh, everyone knows the ultimate predator. Yeah. Predator. Uh, he, I think he was the one that put that out today about how 2020 started off so badly in that winter classic. <laughs> So he's yeah. a great follow. Everyone follow him. Uh, he follows our podcast, and he's a, a huge supporter of our podcast, so we appreciate him. But, yeah, I think he was the one that I originally saw that shared, like, yeah, the Winter Classic started off bad for all of us Preds fans for 2020 when Ryan Ellis got hurt by Corey Perry. Yeah. I mean, the Preds were up 2-0. They had that five-on-four crazy stage, and the Preds were playing so badly up until that point in the season. There wasn't a lot of high confidence going into that game, but you had such a great fan turnout at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. And it was like, we're up 2-0 against a really good Stars team. We all knew the Stars were good at that point. And so everything came crashing down when Ryan Ellis got hurt. Yeah, I mean, it was just horrible. And, and if you look at Ryan Ellis' stats last year, when after he came back, he played really well. He did. Yeah, he, he, he did play well. You really miss me. So you got to feel confident about the, the top pairing, but it takes more than just a top pairing, defensive pairing in the NHL. I mean, right. There's a lot of teams in the NHL who can say they have a really good one two punch on defense. So you got to have more than that. So with my second defensive pairing, I've got Matias Ekholm. Rich has probably got Matias Ekholm as well, right? I do. Obviously. I'm going to go into Ekholm real quick. So, Ekholm is another player who kind of had a down year. And a down year for Ekholm is kind of like a good year for a lot of people. Right, yeah. It was but he was – I mean, he he didn't have the year that where he's just 
seen him have. And he's not like the flashy offensive player that Ellis or Yossi is, obviously, but he is a player who just really just he knows where to be at the right time. He breaks up plays. He breaks up offensive attacks from the other team. He can score those goals when he's when it's there, when the opportunity's there for him. He's a good penalty killer. He brings that leadership on the ice, all that good stuff. For whatever reason, last year was kind of a down year for him. But it wasn't like a terrible year like we should be worried about Ekholm or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, he had kind of a down year. And Ekholm's one of those players that people are really worried about losing in the expansion draft. So it's one of those things where it's like, what's going to happen with that? Is this the last season we're going to see uh, Ekholm in a Preds uniform? You know? I hope not. <laughs> I really like him a lot. I think what he went through last year, so, you know, the year before he was, you know, paired with P.K. Subban, which, you know, that's a quite the one-two punch there, those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when they traded away uh, Subban to get Matt Duchesne, you know, they brought up Dante Fabro. And once again, no knock on Dante Fabro at all. He's an excellent player, but it just they it took him a while to build some chemistry. And you know, they as we know, the whole team struggled. You know, those, those guys kind of struggled a little bit as well. So, you know, I have Dante Fabro on the second line or the second pairing. I, could could you make a case to move him down to the third pairing? Yeah, probably. But then you're going to have Ekholm having to get used to another player. And I think now they they yeah. got a year under their belt. I think that they'll you know do good. So, uh, what do you think about that? That's a good that's a good point you make about having uh, Ekholm have to adjust with a with a new player again because he's he he had to adjust to playing with uh, the young uh, Dante Fabro. The thing about Fabro for me is, you know, we definitely shouldn't be pulling the plug on him or anything like no. that. No. His offensive game has to um, has to materialize a little bit. Is what I see out of Fabro. He he's a very good defensive player when it comes to being blocking shots, being in the right place at the right time. Stuff that that doesn't show up necessarily on the box score. He's very well. He's in the right spot at the right time, and he's he's playing very well for his age. We want to see more offensive development. If you're going to be a second-pairing defenseman, you've got to have some type of offensive mm-hmm. um, ability. And he hasn't really shown that yet. Doesn't mean he won't, but he hasn't yet. Um, for me, I'm going to split with you here. I actually okay. have Mark Ravetsky on the second pairing. All right. And the only reason I really make that move, I, I take all your points and I totally agree with them. Them. The only reason I make that move, it's a very tough call for me to make, is Bravetsky has more experience, and I feel like those top two pairings have to be completely shored up and solidified. You can you can afford to have more a few more mistakes on that third pairing, and w- and with Fabro, the future is still well ahead of him, and he's going to be successful, and I think he has a great future with the Preds. But put him on that third pairing. Watch him flourish on that third pairing. And let's see Bravetsky, who's already proven it and is already a really gritty and strong and mean player, play with Eckholm, who is also a strong, gritty, and mean player who has offensive skills. Bravetsky's not an offensive guy. 
It's right. not going to go out there and score a lot of goals. Ekholm can score some goals. Don't don't overlook him scoring goals. And so I like that second pairing with them. They're nasty. They're mean together. I think they could be. I don't think it's going to take that much learning to play with each other. And then put I'm, for me, I'm going to put Fabro in the third line with Matt Benning, who's another free agency pickup who we don't know a lot about, but he's he's not going to bring a ton of offense either. But all you want out of that third pairing is don't make costly mistakes, costly turnovers. Do your job. You're not going to be on the ice for extended amount of minutes. Get out there, do your job. I I like Benning. I think he can do that. I like mm-hmm. his. I like what he can bring. And then I, Fabro, I love him in that role. I think he'll oh, flirt yeah. in that role. I think it'll it takes some some of the pressure off of Fabro, and I think he'll flourish there. I agree. I think. That's a good point. And like I said, it's tough. You know, you can slot either one of those guys in there. But when you say it, when you say Ekholm and Borvieski together, that's pretty mean. Those two guys together, that would yeah. be a tough I line. Think, when I think about those two together, I'm thinking like, <laughs> a lot of blood, a lot of – like not in a bad way, you know what I mean? Hockey yeah, yeah, totally. No one get offended by that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Faces in the boards. Um <laughs> You know, don't take bad penalties necessarily. I'm not saying that. Don't put us in right. bad situation. We're having to kill off penalties. We don't need the Preds penalty kill that was one of the worst in the league last year to be killing penalties that we don't have to. But that second pairing, I just really like the thought of two guys who are veterans, who are tough, who are mean, who aren't going to take crap from the other team. That's just what I, that, that's how I'm feeling. But Fabro's a good pick, too. It really is interchangeable. You can make arguments for both. So it'll be very interesting interesting to see when training camp comes out uh, what what those initial pairings are, and especially when those first lineups are uh, revealed going into the first game on January 14th. Uh, We're going to round out our starting lineups because we've had a lot to get through with this opening segment. We're we're taking it pretty far here, but it's, it's pretty deep and complicated. Uh, real quick, the goaltenders. Everyone knows that Soros is coming in here as the undisputed starter. Unless you're just like a Soros hater and you just can't stand the guy, you know that Soros is the starter and he should be rightfully. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, I want to see him have a really good season. Um, last season at the end, you know, he he had was playing really, really well. I mean, he was amazing to watch. He went however many games with – what was it, like three games in a row with shutouts? Well, he had back-to-back shutouts. Against back-to-back the- shutouts, that's right. And he almost got another one. I think they only sc- – I can't remember who they were playing, but um, – <clears throat> Before the Stars. It was – yeah, I can't remember. It was right after well, – I know they got beat by the Avalanche pretty bad. Yeah. Before the Stars game. Okay, so they might have been the one after. He went like – 105 minutes without being scored on or something. And yeah, I, I didn't look at it. Uh, but yeah. I remember what you're saying. I know for a fact he had back-to-back shutouts against the Stars. Yeah, yeah. And then whoever they played after that, I think he went like – Yeah, the last, game, the last game the Preds played before the pause was the against the Canadians. That's right. Which they won. Yeah. May, that might have been it. I don't remember. But um, as much as I love Pecorine, I just want to see Soros. I think it's his time. And it's his job to lose. I, I just want to see him, like, flourish. That's that's all I want. I want that stability. We know that, you know, Renee's probably going to retire at the end of this season, as much as that 
pains me to say, and Preds fans everywhere don't want to see that. I want to see Soros take over that role as well. And then we're going to have Ingram, I guess, is probably going to be either. Yeah, he'll be be in the mix. He'll definitely be in the mix, yeah. Yeah, so he'll either be that, or I don't know if they'll put him on the taxi squad or just put him on the roster. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, yeah, Soros is is, is going to be the the guy going forward. Uh, the thing about it is that's weird with this season is with these two game sets, uh, you're going to be getting like more than a, if we were going into a normal 82 game season. I mean, Pecorino would be the spot starter that comes right. in on your random back to backs that you get. What this season we're going into, Rene's going to get a lot of starts. I mean, you're going to have to do it. And uh, they've already come out and said that they're going to lean on both goaltenders very yeah. heavily. And I know that's kind of like what they have to say. <laughs> they're not going to come out and tell the media, oh, no, Rene doesn't matter. No. But it's pretty obvious that they're going to have to use both very heavily. And the really good teams who are successful this season are going to have two really competent, high-quality goaltenders. And so when you look at the Preds, they got two goaltenders who have been under a lot of scrutiny. It's not all their fault. That defense was horrible last year in front of them. But there were some games where both goaltenders kind of just let it get away from them, Mm -hmm. especially Rene. Yeah. Rene had some games where it was almost like he was like, you know what, I'm done. I've already given up three or four goals that weren't my fault. I'm done. I'm packing it in. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what happened. That's just me as a fan watching the game. But what I'm trying to say is I it, it was a little bit of both. And so the Preds, they got two goaltenders who really got to prove themselves, especially Soros, like you said, Rich. But for Rene, is he actually going into his last year? Does he still have the itch to play? Um, you know, when I when I talked to Puckpedia on the last episode, you know, he was a uh, heart for Puckpedia. He was talking about how if if he can put out a really good season, like a a, a plus ninety percent save percentage type of season, if he can kind of like really play well in that backup role to Soros, he'll absolutely with his with his track record, he'll absolutely get a call from somebody to play another season. Um, after this, if he wants to play, I'm not quite sure he will want to play after this. He might be ready to go. I, Pecorino strikes me as the type of person where he is perfectly fine with, you know, selling off into the sunset and living his life. And so, but that's why I really want to see him succeed this season. But he's definitely the backup going in. He's still going to get, you know, like what, 56 games. I mean, 20 starts at least. Yeah. Okay. Barring it. 20 to 25, something like that. <clears throat> if they do 60 40, they split 60 40, he'd get like, I think those things like 25, 24, something like that. Yeah. And I mean, you're way better at math than me. So thank you for. Well, I, I'm that. not. I actually figured it out early, uh, once before. So I just had that on my head. So, <laughs> All I, mean, right. I, didn't, I didn't do that on the fly. <laughs> that would have been impressive if you did. You should take credit for that. No, but, I can't um, do that. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, we're not predicting injuries or anything like that. If injuries happen, then the, the other one's obviously going to have to take a bigger role in, and that's when Connor Ingram comes in. Right. But if some really bad play happens from one or the other where it's like they're costing the team games, like they're giving up really weak goals left and right, and there's people who are paid a lot of money 
to scout that and look at that. You got coaches, you got all that stuff. If one of these two goaltenders are really struggling really badly, then it, you know it's one of those things where Connor Ingram will and should get that opportunity. Right. I'm not necessarily predicting that, but well, yeah. they also have they also have another goaltender who's who's coming to town. He's actually in Nashville now, uh, Casimir Kaskisuo. He's I, very prominent on social media. He's a yeah. really good follow. Yeah, I didn't know much about him until they signed him, but I started digging a little bit. He was like an AHL all-star. So, you know, he might come in and surprise people too. I mean, we just yeah. you know, don't know much about him. But like you said, he's a great social media follow. He uh, actually just put out a new vlog. He's actually in Nashville right now. And he was showing his hotel room and like showed him driving to Bridgestone and stuff like that. So it's a good follow if anybody wants to kind of get the behind the scenes. But the, the, the prospect pool for the Preds at goalie has never been lacking in their history. Right. And it's not lacking now either. So if, if you need some positives to be thinking as a Preds fan about the future, you keep, you keep thinking about the goaltender situation. Uh, I think we're in good hands there. But well, all right. So we're going to break away. From our starting lineup prediction, that's our, you know, that was a long segment, but it's one that we really had to roll out to you because it's that, you know, if we were one of those teams, if the Preds were one of those teams that were really set, we really knew where they were going, that segment would take like 20 minutes. <laughs> right. It took, like, it took almost double that because that's how unpredictable this team is right now. Yeah. yeah. So we're in 2021 now. Uh, everyone's excited about 2021 being here. And everyone always wants to have New Year's resolutions, like I'm going to do this, I'm finally going to do this or that. And so we were thinking, like, okay, what what are what are some good New Year's resolutions that we could put for the National Predators franchise uh, for the team going into 2021? It doesn't even necessarily have to be this upcoming season, but the season that's going to follow that will hopefully start on time in October, like no, like a normal NHL season with fans. And the uh, yeah. With fans, obviously, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so the easy choice is going to always be this. Well, yeah, we want to win the Stanley Cup. That's our New Year's resolution. Yeah, we're going to get past that. That's too easy. That's too. That's too obvious. We're not going to do that. So we, we got some New Year's resolutions. Me and Rich both do. Rich, give me your. Uh, give me one of your New Year's resolutions for the Preds. All right, so I already touched on it a little bit, but it's it all revolves around Soros. Um, like I said, I want him to just have an awesome season and just come in and show that he's the man and that, you know, him and, and Renee are, are, are great friends. They're a mentor, men, mentor type situation, but I want him to just come in and just dominate and, and do what he can do. We saw what he can do. We know what he could do. And I, that's what I want to see. I want to see him have a long career and I want them to even when he, when he does like start playing, the season or whatever, I want them to think about not using Askarov. And I know a lot of people are going to say, you're crazy, you're out of your mind, but I want him to have a long career like Pecorino had. That's a really good one. Yeah, And this season is kind of a make or break year for him because if mm-hmm. he has a really like bad season, yeah, he's coming up as being a restricted free agent with arbitration clauses in it. Yep. So that's going to be – if he has a really, really bad season and the team doesn't feel confident in him, that's going to make for a really complicated off-season situation next, next summer. Totally agree. So that far 
away from now, actually. So right, so, so, the season we're about to get into the next off season is really not that far away. It's not at all. So it's and it's going to be busy over the summer. Lots of lots of stuff happening in the summer. The expansion draft. Yep, the trade deadline is April twelfth, I believe. So yeah, this is about to move fast and furious. But that's a that's a really good uh, pick with uh, Soros when it comes to he needs to have a really solid wire to wire season as a starter. He's always been good as a spot starter. Like whenever Rene has one of those really bad games, like mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier, where he just kind of like packs it in and like the floodgates are open. Soros has always had been kind of good at coming in and like stopping the bleeding. I remember a game against the Stars in that first round series where I think, and it this was not Rene's fault because I remember the Preds took penalties like every right. into that game. And I think the Preds fell behind like three or four to nothing like early in the game. Mm-hmm. It was just horrible to watch. And they brought Soros in. And, I mean, the game was already pretty much out of reach, but Soros was like, I'm going to stop this now. So he's always been good as a relief goaltender. Let's see if he can actually do it as the starter, yep. as the guy who comes in and just he's the guy. I agree. Being a starting quarterback in football or an ace pitcher in baseball is the same idea. For all of our listeners who, you know, watch other sports more than hockey and there's kind of the casual hockey fan, it's the same idea. Exactly. Soros is coming in as the ace pitcher – the franchise quarterback, and we we need to see. So we need to see him have a, a year that's really going to make us feel confident in him for the future with his contract coming up. Yes. So for me, it's a really easy my top one, and it's really easy, and it's another one that I think Rich just touched on earlier, and that's wanting fans back in Bridgestone Arena. Yes. And. <clears throat> I'm going to sound biased here because I'm a Nashville native and I've been a Preds fan since they came here. I didn't start actually going to Preds games in person until like three or four years after they moved here in 98. But I can tell you that the atmosphere is just just something you can't really replicate anywhere else. And that's not to say that other teams don't have outstanding atmospheres on their own in their own unique way. But – the key word there is unique. The Preds have a unique home crowd experience that even fans who hate the Preds will tell you exist. Uh, ask any Blackhawks fan who's been to Preds games, and they'll tell you, I hate the Preds, but, man, that fan experience is is crazy. And so with everything going on with COVID-19, it's not safe to be packing fans in, and I'm totally on board with all of that and, you know, there, at first, it was a kind of like mentioned that they were going to let a small number of fans mm-hmm. in. Well, it recently came out that they're not going to let any fans in to start the season. And they haven't announced when. You know, this is a fluid situation. Right. You know, this goes beyond sports when it comes to the people getting sick and all this stuff with the pandemic. So it's totally understood why they're not letting fans in. But whenever it's safe to do so, it's gonna be, it's gonna be really awesome scene to see yeah. the. And I'm not talking like limited capacity. I'm talking about when Bridgestone can be packed, seventeen thousand plus. Right. Yeah. Right. I had, I went to three games last season, and um, had plans to actually go watch, um, watch them play the Kings actually okay. before the season got paused. And it's, it's. I'd ne- I'd actually never been to a hockey game until last season. And it it was amazing. And I've been I've been to 
a Washington Capitals game, and I will tell you, nothing is like Bridgestone. I mean, it's 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 the best atmosphere. You 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 know, people in the stands are like talking to each other, people you don't even know, slapping hands with everybody. We have all the the things that the fans yell at the players, and it's just there's nothing like it. And I'm definitely looking forward to being able to go back. And a lot of people, yeah, and a lot of people kind of like echo that about like even if they're an opposing fan. And I, right. you know, I've probably been to definitely over a hundred Preds games in my life. That's awesome. And yeah, and I've talked to a lot of like I, you know, a lot of times you like to talk to opposing fans. And Nashville is a destination city, mm-hmm. so if you're you're always going to see opposing fans at Bridgestone Arena unless you're just playing a team who's dead in the water and the fans just didn't want to make the trek. But most of the time, you know, you'll you'll play. Although I'm going to go ahead and throw some shade at the Stars fans because <laughs> the last couple of Stars games I've been to when they play here in Nashville, the Stars had a really good team, and I did not see a lot of Dallas fans. So Dallas fans out there, if you're listening, you need to step your game up. But other than that, for the most part, you see a lot of um, away fans. And they say the same thing. They're like, this place is nuts. This place is crazy. And so, you know, I want to see Nash propelling from the rafters again. I want to hear the the awesome music that they play. Like, I know all this sounds corny. And I know that there's fans of other teams who can say, well, our arena plays this song. And I, I get that. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is it's so unique in Bridgestone Arena and it can't be it can't be replicated unless all 17,000 people are in there again. And and it's extended to Lower Broadway, which if you if you've never been to Nashville, and we've done some uh some entertainment segments on the show before, and we'll get back to that in future episodes where we highlight uh local Nashville businesses that you need to check out uh Whenever you come to Nashville, Lower Broadway is a scene where it's a party outside of Bridgestone. You go out and you have a good time. You have dinner. You uh, listen to some live music. And then you walk one or two blocks to the entrance of Bridgestone Arena wearing your jersey. Even if you're an opposing fan, you go into the arena and you have a great time watching hockey. So I just want to see that come back. That's the easy New Year's resolution for me. Uh, Rich, you got one more, right? New Year's resolution for the Preds? No, that's that, that. What you said is the exact same thing I was thinking. Oh, that was another one. Yeah, okay. just not wait to get back into Bridgestone and, and watch some hockey again because you know I really miss it a lot. Even watching it live, I miss it. It's just it's like nothing like it. I don't know. Yep. So I got one more real quick for my New Year's resolutions. Okay, this, this one doesn't level up to the uh, fans back in Bridgestone, right. but it's still really important to me, and that's just the. Uh, the Preds getting back to that defensive mentality again. And we touched on that talking about some of the free agency pickups. Uh, I want to see the Preds, even if that means they don't score as many goals and they're not as flashy and they're not in as many top 10 highlight films on sports center. That's okay. I want to see a team that is uh, feared to play against again, a team that is not taking sloppy penalties, but they're taking smart penalties. They're taking, uh, they're they're claiming back their part of the ice again. I saw them got pushed. They got pushed around way too many times last year. Yes. And I saw, and I saw way too many times where they got too flashy. Agreed. We've got, we've got players on the team who can do that flashy stuff. Forsberg, Roman Yossi, Ryan Johansson, 
even Matt Duchesne, Victor Arvidsson, they can all do those flashy plays that make SportsCenter top tens. SportsCenter top ten highlights don't don't win you Stanley Cups. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. And, and a lot of times when those plays don't work, it equals a better chance for the opposing team, and then you let you hang your goaltender out to dry. And so those those, those goals are all great and good, and – you know, I hope to see some of them, but I want to see them, this team get nasty again. I want to see this team start winning games three to two, two to one, like ugly again. And I think they got the roster to do it. I think they did too. I, I agree with picking up Borvieski and Benning, just watching those guys like play for their other teams. I think those two guys, they don't take crap off nobody. And that's what exactly what they need. It's not knocking on, you know, present players or former players or anything, but they really need to get back to that, like you said, that that defensive, you know, hit you in the mouth type of play and and just reclaim that, like you said. And I was going to say former coaches too. Former coaches, you're right. I mean, like Peter Laviolette, he took us to uh, two wins within the Stanley Cup, and we're not going to overlook that. But that team lost its way. It absolutely did. It, it just – it was like – it was a team that flew by the seat of its pants. It was either going to win a game flashy with four or five goals or it was going to get run out of the building. Yeah. And it's all well and good when you come out on the winning side scoring four or five goals. But do we really want that roller coaster of a type of team mm-hmm. where you're up four to one and you still have to worry about losing because you're going to give up three or four goals? Yeah, that's like you said, you know – the beginning of the season, you know, last season they started really strong, and then like it, it was came a roller coaster, to be, man. It did. It came to be like get off of. Yeah, it, it came to be like November and December, and you're just like, what is what is happening to this team? Because like one of the games I went to was uh, when they played the Golden Knights, and it was that one where they lost on the last second. Yeah, the the Knights put it in, and you want to talk about deflating, man? Because we were like. Three seconds in the game was it would have been one, and then just like like that, it was taken away, and that's and that's how a lot of the season went, and it was just or the Calgary Flames game or that too, yeah, exactly. They gave up three or four goals in like the third period to lose that mm-hmm. game. Yep. So like we got to get away from that. This yeah. team's got to get back to being able to protect leads. You know, when you score that first goal of the game, you got to be able to protect that again, and I think they've done that. Mm-hmm. I, still think, I think they have a nice blend of players who are still offensively gifted and can carry this team in that regard. But I like what they've picked up, and I think it's going to lend well to being a team that can protect leads and 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 be effective on the penalty kill. I agree. Don't be afraid to take penalties if you've got a good uh, PK that can – withstand it like i mean mm-hmm. every time the team took a penalty this past season i was like oh well this is gonna be a goal same yep in that vancouver game where they gave up they they gave up like five or six like power play goals yeah 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 just like mind-boggling yeah and like you also touched on that that colorado game i think was that the one where it was like nine to eight, oh eight? it was not i think the final score was nine to four yeah so that was that was the one where they didn't pull rene until like yeah. That was kind of when the avalanche started, no pun intended. <laughs> that's right. That's true. So that yeah. was, that was the, yeah, that was the one where they didn't pull Rene until like 
Yeah. He scored six or seven. And that was also the one, if you remember, Rene didn't talk to the media after the game. Yeah. And that, that right there, that, yeah, that right there. never happened. So they, they got to get away from that. Yeah. We can't have I, any more. I that. Remember that. Remember, remember where I was for that game. And they were cruising kind of through. I mean, they, they hadn't really hit their tailspin yet. And everyone knew that Colorado was good. And so that was a game that was circled on everyone's calendar. Right. And I know the Preds took the lead back. In the middle, that game was back and forth, like goal yeah. after goal. It was like a slugfest. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, the Avalanche just like, which they're a great team. Oh, yeah. A tear. But it's like that's what we got to get away from. Yeah, I can't have that. You just can't have that. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup that way. You're not going to go deep in the playoffs that way. Right. If that's, if that's what we want out of this team, then you got to get away from that. Yeah. If all we want is a – if we want to go back to when this team was first founded in the early 2000s, and yeah, we can be happy with this with what we had last season because we made the playoffs. Oh yeah, let's throw a parade over that. Right. No, that's not how we feel about this team. Mm-hmm. We we need to see um, the fact that this team can actually get over the hump and win a Stanley Cup in the next few years. And so I like what they've done. So that's my other New Year's resolution. Yes. And so this is our that's going to wrap up our first episode of 2021 on the Catfish on Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we're going to have more episodes coming to you very soon as the season is about to start. It's hard to believe, but we got some hockey back, and we're going to be really getting into it. Uh, Rich, you got anything else to say to wrap up Episode 7? Go Preds. I'm just excited. I can't wait. Re- ready to get those uh, – see those uh, tweets come out with the lines every day. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. That That's like something like you can't get enough of, right? Like it's like exactly. you're a block. Zero so alarm clock on game day. You wake up and you're like, what are those lines? I need to know. Yep. Got to yeah. have them. Brooks Bratton and all those guys at uh, nationalpredators.com. Uh, uh, we're, we're actually really blessed with uh, mm-hmm. the coverage of the Preds. So for for for, um, for all those people who cover the Preds and listen uh, to our podcast, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll pro- we're going to do an appreciation episode in the future where we appreciate all of you and talk about – all the great coverage we get from yes. uh, from the Preds on the local level because uh, we're very lucky to have you. Uh, real quick, before we wrap up Episode 7, we do want to uh, mention what's going on real quick with um, the Nashville bombing. I'm a Nashville native, and Nashville is true and true to my heart. And uh, uh, it turns out that they've gotten the city uh, back opened up partially, but um, for anyone who's ever been to Nashville, Second Avenue North, which is where the bomb went off, is a very historical part of the town. There's a lot of industry, service industry people who have lost their jobs, um, don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work, and also have lost their homes. There were apartments on that street as well. Uh, we're very grateful that no one, no, no lives were lost. But we we do encourage you to please, uh, if you if you can, look up ways to help out those people. If you have anything, uh, please look out ways to help out those people. We will actually uh, tweet it out on our uh, podcast Twitter handle. Ways to um, help out those those people. Uh, Nashville is a really good great community that's been through a lot this year with the tornado and with uh, the pandemic, and now with this bombing. 
And so if there's uh, any way uh, you could help out those people, just uh, please uh, follow us on Twitter or look up our look up our ways that you can help those people. And we will be putting that information out there uh, because uh, that's a that that goes way beyond hockey and way beyond mm-hmm. sports. But uh, me and Rich are both very uh, thankful that no lives were lost. Definitely. And, yeah. And so we just wanted to mention that because, you know, we're a National Predators podcast and a lot of people in the national community are going to be uh, listening to our podcast. And so our uh, our thoughts, condolences and prayers are with all those people affected. And we hope to be an outlet for you in a way for you to get your mind off of everything that's going on and provide you so, uh, some good some good stuff to talk about Preds hockey, which is going to uh, bring us all together and kind of serve as a form of healing for all of us after this hard year. So uh, that's all we got for episode seven of the Catfish and Ice podcast. And we will see you uh, next time. Please follow the hockey podcast network, which helps us bring this podcast to you at hockey pod net on Twitter. Follow catfish on ice podcast at catfish ice. And I'm Chad Benton joined by rich Howe, and we will see you on the next episode of the Catfish and Ice Podcast. Yes. Take care, everybody. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band. And every band guy wants to be an, 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 you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought, like, well, maybe we should wear a Montreal jersey. And then I was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music.